Um, so life in the spirit, don't be a drip. There we go. And so we're going to do this in three parts. I think I've got it right now. Where are we going today? So there's going to be a bit of teaching, some testimony, and then, you know, I tried to do the three T's. It didn't work, but I called it stretching. <laughs> yeah. You guys are with me here today. Fantastic. That's the engineer. Yeah, okay. And um, I'm actually only preaching on really one section of scripture, although you will see a couple. And the text is too small. Now, every time I do this, I get told, don't do it. Don't. If you can read it, but I will read it for you. We're doing Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12. And um, Old Testament. Yeah, Richard, Old Testament. Wow. Okay. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the temple faced east. Interesting that when Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, he went off east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. Okay. So this is the vision that we're seeing of something that is representing water flowing out of the temple. And at the moment, it's in this state, it's a trickle. Lots of text there. But I'm going to walk you through it and I'm going to read it. And if you've got a Bible, please, Ezekiel 47, 1-12, you can read with me, because we're going to be working just off a bit of the scripture this morning. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. Measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, Son of man, do you see what I see? This is the angel speaking to the prophet, and the angel is in awe. Do you see what I see? This is an amazing scripture. It defies the laws of this world in which we live. You don't have a small trickle. It's inverse to what happens in the natural. In the natural, you start with lots of water being funneled into one river. Here we have a trickle getting bigger and deeper and wider. Where is this water coming from? Because there's no real source other than the temple. But there's divine multiplication in water molecules versus fox. And um, we see this divine widening and breadth of this river. Exciting times. Some more text in minor detail, but I'll read it out. Fisherman. Ah, sorry. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the, the Rabbah. I'm probably saying it wrong. Rabbah. Something like that. I left something out somewhere, but it's okay. Grace extends towards me. Where it enters the Dead Sea. Okay. That's the catchphrase, Dead Sea. I'm sure you guys are getting that. 
When it emptied into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where this river flows, everything will live. Just an incredible section of scripture. Dead is becoming alive where there is a wilderness and desert. Salty water is brine. It's nothing can live in it. It's used for preserving things <laughs> that are dead. <laughs> I mean, now my tuna comes in salt water brine, and that's chopped into little pieces. I never get to it. Holly normally eats it first. But, yeah, everything will live. Another last bit of tiny, minuscule, small text. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Enigedi to in. There will be places for spreading nets, and the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. So wherever the river is not flowing through, you've got marshes and swamps, and they're just going to be there. And they will be full of salt, where nothing grows. However, in this river, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. The leaves will not wither, evergreens, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Mark will love this one. Hey Mark, healing. And it's, it's great. This is an amazing representation of something. What? We will unpack now. Anyway, there are a couple of interpretations. I'm going to list just a couple of interpretations, and I'm going to go where you don't think I'm going to go. So in some ways, we see that Christ is the temple, and the Word of God is this river flowing out to all the ends of the world, bringing life. Okay, and that's backed up in a couple of scriptures. It's a prophetic picture of the Messianic church, John 2, 13, 22, when Jesus cleanses the temple, he says, don't you know that I am the temple? And in three days, I will rise again. This temple will rise again. And in Revelations 21, 22, we'll go there. there is, you'll find that in Revelations, it says there is no temple in heaven. Why? Because God and Jesus are both the temple in heaven. So you won't find a, a temple. Because, the, I mean, the temple was there to represent the manifest presence of God. But His manifest presence is now everywhere, so what do you need a temple for? So, in, But in those two scriptures, Jesus is representing the temple. The water of life is thus this word of revelation of the knowledge of Christ stretching out to the nations. Inter one interpretation. Is it the right one? No, it's one. There's a new Eden. Revelation 22 verse 1 to 2 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, flowing with water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there's the Father and the Son on thrones, and this river of life is pouring out. The river was flowing in the middle of the street of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, 
with its twelve kinds of ripe fruit according to each month of the year, the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. Replicating Ezekiel. But this is the picture of the finished work. There's another interpretation. The Spirit flowing through the church to the nations. Yeah. John seven thirty-seven. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All of you who are thirsty, come to me, come to me and drink. So Jesus says, you know, Come and drink from me. I'm the source of life. Okay, so there's this picture that we are bringing people to a knowledge of Christ, and that knowledge of Christ is this river of life. And if they drink of Christ, they will never be thirsty again. And that's mirrored again in that uh, Samaritan woman encounter. And we'll go there as well just now. Now I'm going to challenge you and go left field. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, Passion Translation says, Have you not forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Spirit? Of holiness who lives in you. You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. So now you are a temple. And this Holy Spirit is inside of you. Oh, Richard, where are you going with this? Tricky move, tricky move. You are the temple and the living water flows from you. So if we had to finish that John verse where Jesus says, come drink from me, let's just read it a little bit further because it's nice and easy to take a bit of scripture and then stop short. So we can drink from Jesus. Yes, we drink from Jesus. But that's just the first line of the verse. Let's finish the rest of it. John 7, 37, 39. On the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All of you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you. From within you. Flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures say. So the scriptures are saying this. We just don't have the ears to hear. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them. Because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. But that time has been and gone. We are living in this time where the Holy Spirit flows from us. And I'm going to go to the woman at the well. I mean, Steve's been teaching on this extensively, John 4. And I highlighted the bottom line. And I better read it off here, but I can't. <laughs> and he says, come to me and drink. And see, they're talking about, he says, come to me and drink from this water. Jesus replied, everyone who drinks some of this water will be thirst, will never be thirsty. Well, okay, the real water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks some of the water that I will give him, We'll never be thirsty again. But we always stop there. Let's read the next line. If you can. But the water that I will give you will become in him, in you, in you, 
a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. So you are now the source. So once you drink of Jesus, you then become the source of the next well. And it says here, you, willing, living water will well from up from within you. Do we always say, come Holy Spirit, do your work. Isn't that what we do? I'm going to go and drink from the water running from the temple. And the bad news is you are the river running from the temple because you are the temple. So, yes, there is river running from this temple and the temple is Christ and he's seated in heavenly places, but we're seated there with him. Which means that there's living water flowing through us. We carry life within us. We talked about this abundant life in these verses. And I'm going to have to be quick here because we need to get to testimonies and all sorts of things. Acts 1.8. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem, to Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places of the earth. And remember we heard in Revelations that this water flows to the ends of the earth. It just echoes that. But it's you. You are carrying this message. You are carrying this life. Romans 8, 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Okay, so all you leaders who stood up, you're not here for religious duty. You're here to be led by the Spirit in what you're doing. And it says, the mature children, so clearly the immature children are those doing religious duty. Okay? But for mature children, they are living life in the Spirit. I actually think I'm going to stop there. Okay, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to just, just jump through a whole lot of verses. Okay, this one here. Richard takes a side trip to hospital. Okay. So, so you guys know the show, Crimson. Okay, whoever wasn't there, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. There is no, okay, jokes. <laughs> but, um, so two weeks before the show started, okay, first of all, for all those that are offended, and I know there are lots of you, please forgive me. I have worked through it myself. But I do know that I managed to make lots of people upset. And they saw a side of me that only my family normally see. And so, yes, the person sitting here preaching is not the spiritual model that you thought he was. But that's okay. That's okay. I receive grace and in humility. But anyway, two weeks before this great show, I was the director we went to church on Sunday morning early because I was also in worship with Ted. And I started feeling a bit sore in the kidneys. And I had had this before. I said, Lord, Ted, I'm in trouble here. I don't think I'm going to get through even the morning service. And she's worship leading at the time. So I said, look, I'll sort myself out. Don't worry. You carry on here. So I called an Uber. This is at 8 o'clock in the morning. And the Uber came and fetched me here. 
I said, just take me to Hillcrest Hospital quickly. I'm in trouble. And uh, we didn't get up Fields Hill, and I said, pull over. And I just, like, vomited. I was in so much pain by that time. I couldn't actually, the pain just made me just react. And he was, like, panicking. I said, don't worry, that's okay, it's fine. He's a Christian guy, and I'm saying, no, I'll pray for you, it's fine, don't worry. We'll get there, get to hospital, and I just take myself up there, and I said to the nurse, look, get me stones, I'm in trouble, get me onto morphine, quickly. <laughs> so they could do the scans, and woof, I get, yeah, kidney stones straight into bed in a ward. And then they put me on the drip. Okay, so not that drip, but this other drip, the morphine drip. And um, so there I'm in the hospital feeling sorry for myself, and there's a ward of three of us in this particular ward. And there's a curtain next to me, I can't see it. And I'm lying there feeling relatively, now here's a bit panicky, and I'm like, what's happening? Don't worry, it's fine. Just get another kidney stone, it's cool. Been there, done that, given birth to three kids. Um, anyway, night time comes. Night time comes, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. I started a conversation with the guy opposite me. He had had his leg amputated like three times. So they started down there, and then it carried on going, and they had to chop it off again, and then it went going, and it, they just kept moving higher and higher. They felt, they said, he'd been in the hospital for about three months. Um, and when you're talking, he's a Christian, and it's about, what, half past seven, eight o'clock at night, or nine o'clock at night, it was after the evening service up there. And I had a whole lot of visitors walk in. So David and Penny and Alex and Alicia wander into the ward. They have come to bring me joy and encourage me. Thanks, guys. So I'm lying there feeling rather sorry for myself. And they said, oh, no, we're not going to talk to you. We're going to talk to the guy opposite you. So they go and pray for this guy. Be healed in Jesus' name. And then David turns around and says, I'll leave the next guy for you. And he walks out the ward. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a challenge. Okay. So now it's like about half past nine. And I'm like, okay, what should I do? I, uh, I got up and I walked around the curtain. I had my little drip with me, carrying it. And there's this guy lying there. And he's in stage four cancer. And he's in trouble. I could hear him like crying for the whole day. He was just moaning and in a lot of pain. And I went and sat next to him and I said, you heard my friends come in here and pray for the guy opposite me. And I said to the other guy, hey, Mark, you're a Christian, eh? Yeah, no, he's a Christian. And they were praying for each other. So I said, you've got my back here. I said, no, no, he's got my back. So, so let's see where this thing went. So I sat with this guy and I introduced myself and we got talking and I said, look, are you a Christian? He said, yes, he's a Christian. I said, what do you want now in your life between you and God? He said, I want to hear from God. He's a Pentecostal, well, not a traditional Methodist type of, of, of person. He hadn't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. had faith, but no real ability to communicate with God. So I said, okay, this is easy. He said, don't worry. Maybe it's the morphine, whatever it is, but I was, I was there. So I said to him, okay, we're going to do this thing. You'll be able to hear from God very soon. So then I said to the next guy opposite, I said, when I pray, you say amen. So I said, okay, you'll do there, like a rabbit. 
So I said, okay, let's start. I said, the first thing is you need the Holy Spirit. Have you been full of the Holy Spirit? No. Okay, you, all you have to do is just receive and believe, and then you'll be filled. So just receive. Okay, I'll pray, pray for your Holy Spirit. Next thing, boom, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Okay, you got the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. Okay, we need that to hear from God. It really helps. Very difficult to hear from God when you don't have the Spirit dwelling inside of you. So it's okay, you've got this Holy Spirit inside of you. This is wonderful stuff. Okay, so now you can hear from God. But I don't want you to hear from God for you. You're going to hear from God for me. So what you're going to do is you're going to now, okay, now, so first thing is let's speak in tongues. Makes life easier. So, okay, just follow me. And I started speaking, da, da, ra, ba, da, chicken, uh, Within about 15 minutes, he's speaking in tongues. Okay, cool. He's speaking in tongues. So now it's easy. You, 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 you started to disconnect what's coming out of your mouth from your brain and your heart and spirit can take over. Great stuff. So I said, okay, now you're going to prophesy over me. So he starts prophesying over me. He says a word, happy. She's like, I'm not happy. So you're going to have to do better, a lot better than that. Try again. Okay, now, then he starts prophesying, and the words start to come. And he starts prophesying. I said, cool. So I said, you asked to hear from God, now you've heard from God. Because you've heard from God. You spoke life over me. Are you guys tracking with me here? Sometimes we keep wanting to hear from God so we can stroke our own whatever it is, our egos or whatever, our needs. But I said, you use, I know, I know that if God, God will always use someone to bless someone else. So it's very easy to get someone to prophesy. You just make them. It really is because God will honor his word. I have made you a blessing to the nations. It's fact. Which means that he's a born-again believer, spirit-filled. He must be able to bless me. He must. It just has to. Which means that he will be able to prophesy. Because he's a spiritual believer now. It's that simple. Honestly. Um, so there we are. Then, oh, now I'm running out of time. I'm going to have to move it. No, I'm okay. Okay. So, so this is, doesn't stop there. Okay, so, so now he and the guy, every time I'm praying, the guy next door is going, Amen. Be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Pray in tongues. Amen. Prophesy. Amen. So we had this whole thing going. Then, then, it's quite funny. I think I was so high on morphine at the time, so, but I'll, I'll take the Spirit's work in this. So then he calls his friend like late at night. Like, remember, he's on his deathbed. He wants to write now. He's like, okay, wait. So I go to bed and I wake up the next morning. And I wake up the next morning and the nurse is there, the other guy's there, and he's got a friend there. And he's just, he is just raving about what happened last night. So he's got the nurse there and he's saying, you're a Christian. Listen to my testimony. And he starts spreading his testimony through the the ward. And we had the nurse going, amen, and the guy next door going, amen. The whole thing turned into a little church service on Monday morning. And he was just going through his testimony. Oh, no, he just felt so dead. Now he's alive. And I mean, the sake was, he was walking around the hospital. Now he's like stage four cancer, lying in his deathbed. 
And he called his, his nephew in. And, um, well, he came in later that afternoon. And um, my kidney stone passed in that evening. So about five or six o'clock. Heather was actually coming back here to do another rehearsal. So I said, don't worry, I'll find my way home. It's not a reflection of my wife, by the way. Just, we had issues with, you know, just, she was committed. There were no issues. She, we, no, she was leading a, a, another practice. And I was actually fine by that time. So the stone comes out. Our phone goes, hey, the stone's out. Don't worry. Anyway, so he brings his nephew around. And he's just shared his testimony with his nephew. And I said to the nephew, hey, you're going back to fine time. Just give me a lift home. So he gives me a lift home. So I hop in the car. I said, now, nah, come. Captive audience. Let's talk about Jesus. Where are you? And anyway, I took him, once again, a Christian, but built on law. And he says, look, I can't seem, ever seem to please God. I can't ever see. And we're talking as in driving me home. I said, look, this is the grace message. You don't have to please him. The work is finished. And I said, I had 15 minutes from Hillcrest Hospital to my house to go through that with him. And I phoned him the other day, and we're going to meet up, and we're going to try and get him to come to the life group, and he's really excited about that. And I'm going to stop right there. So this is not my normal standard operating procedure. I don't normally hang around in hospital beds. And I don't often have these spiritual encounters. And I was mulling over this thing. And I think for too much of my life, I've been adrift. What I mean is that I only let trickles of the Holy Spirit through when I feel like it and when the opportunity is right. And the challenge for me after this encounter was that I left on an absolute high. I wanted to go back to hospital. This oak was on a high. The entire wing of the hospital was on a high. I mean, you had to be there. It was a very surreal moment in my life. And I thought, that was living. This is what we are made for. It's not to work a nine-to-five job and just drink from the salty river of the Dead Sea. And it was, it was great, to say the least. But I felt that I'm now... I'm going to make life miserable for you. So, in Luke 10, Jesus sends the 70. And it's towards the end of his ministry. He's got about six months left. He's already sent the 12 a year before, but he sends the 70 now. And I think I count the numbers here. We are I'm slightly over that, which is perfect. The numbers are right. So, I'm going to send you in terms of a little practical this morning. Because we're going to do that. I'm hoping that your faith has been stirred this morning. And I know that this is what God wanted. Because I sat with him this morning. I said, Lord, you know, how do I make people do this? They said, well, you just send them. Like, God and I were talking about how to do this this morning. And it's pairs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to get into pairs. I'm going to ask some of the leaders just to come forward here and stand in the front. And whoever's not in a pair, I want you to just put your hands up. Okay, so let's just stand for now.